This is an adult podcast made by adults for adults. So King Kong really is a difficult film to talk about. Before we get into that though, there is a little bit of confusion between the difference of an alligator and a crocodile. And Swade actually successfully talks about a film that is shorter than 15 minutes. All this on today's episode of Fake Film Fans. Welcome to a morning episode of Fake Film Fans. Thank you everyone for listening. I'm Swade Best, and I am a god. A powerful, powerful gorilla god. Hey everyone, Walter. I'm that bad hey, habit oh, you pick up oh, as a kid, oh. reading a book at night that makes your eyes bad. Okay, you're going, uh, 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 <laughs> but you're the fucking idiot who said, welcome to a fucking morning episode, which is super fucking stupid because most of the episodes are morning for me. That's just fucking American centrism. That's true, but they're not always morning for me. Exactly. How many people in, in, that listen to this podcast are in Hong Kong? Well, have you looked at the demographics? I mean, I will tell you that we only have like five listeners these days. So. No, don't say that. Don't say that. We have lots of listeners. We have lots of listeners. I mean, it doesn't even fucking matter if most of the listeners are in America because it's an amount that doesn't mean anything. It's morning. It's morning. All right, fine. It's morning. Everyone, it's morning for you right at this instance. Exactly. Whenever you're listening to this podcast, it is exactly morning. If it isn't morning, you are excluded and you should stop listening to this podcast because we don't want you no 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 that's what you're telling that's what you're telling our listeners that's actually what you're telling our listeners it's morning in my heart for my listeners i love you all so much you are the one pushing everyone away honestly because you are so exclusive i'm the monster i'm the exclusive monster monster is not what i said because now you're excluding humans i'd like to make a formal apology i'm excluding i'm exclusive i'm exclusive I'm abusive. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'd like. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. You're driving people away by murdering my rhyming bits. Sorry, I apologize. I, I, yeah, I think we did get a lot of feedback about your rhyming bits from. Oh, zero people, because we have no <laughs> listeners. <laughs> You're mean this episode. You're feeling spiteful this episode. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm going to be extra fucking mean on this next part. I thought, since you keep thinking our arguing parts are the best parts of the podcast, <laughs> I wanted to argue about something else. I'm down. What are we arguing about? Before this podcast, I said, let's create some apps, some telephone apps. And then we can argue about who has the best telephone app created. The first telephone app I want to bring to this space is this app that I've decided to call SnapTaste. And it's an app that I've been working on for an incredibly long time. It's like Snapchat, so there might be some copyright issues with that. But I think it would be really cool if there was an app in this world where after you tasted some food, like if you had some really good mashed potatoes, you could take your phone, lick the entire screen of your phone and then click send and then it would send to your friend and your friend would see that there's a scent on their phone and they could lick their phone and taste the exact mashed potatoes that you just ate is it a scent or a flavor a flavor sorry i didn't i feel like people call taste scents sometimes yeah i mean well you know scent scent smell is like a major component of taste that is true uh it's why when you when you can't smell anything like when you're sick food doesn't taste as good so you, i mean you're right scent is a major component yeah so why not both put out both whatever the phone needs to do no it would have to be both yeah I mean, the same thing. It's in Snapchat, there's both visual and audio. I have a question. Why Why not just, like, upload the food? Why do you have to lick it? Because wouldn't they just taste your tongue? If you upload mashed potatoes, how would that taste transfer? The internet would just get any random mashed potato on the internet. You would upload those specific mashed potatoes, is what I'm saying. How would that work? I don't know. How did it work off your tongue? Like, why does it have to be your tongue? Because I feel like my tongue does not taste like the meat I'm eating, necessarily. Because there's, like, lots of 
other flavors in my mouth. There's like suede juices in there. That's gonna that's gonna get in the way. Oh, actually, maybe you're right because in my head, I'm thinking what you're arguing for is like if I really liked a song and I uploaded maybe not the exact same file that I was listening to, it would technically still be the same song. No, what I'm saying is you're eating this delicious plate of mashed potatoes. You're like this fucking mashed potatoes is so good. I gotta tell someone about this. You put your phone in the mashed potatoes and then it delivers that specific mashed potato flavor to everyone on Snapchat. Snap taste. I mean, that's fair. I I don't think that's a terrible idea, too. That would be like your phone is like the tongue, right? So your phone has to have tongue nerves on it. But if my phone's wallpaper or my phone's screen had the nerves of a tongue, then it could still replicate like which nerves are being stimulated on my tongue and just take the stimulated nerves and transfer that as like a like a fingerprint. That's assuming that everyone's tongue is set up the same way, right? Uh, I mean, like... I no, thought I don't they thi- were like fingerprints. Well, okay, so literally that's the dumbest thing you've ever said because everyone's fingerprint is different. Like, that's the whole thing about fingerprints, Walt, is that everyone's fingerprint <laughs> is completely different. But they look the that's same. What, I mean, like, in the same way that all people look the same because they, like, have, so- they have similarly shaped bodies, you know? No, okay, like, okay. So the technology I might not have the brains for, I admit. So I can admit <laughs> to that. I'm not very good at technology, so I may have misunderstood how or, the technology would or work. Or biology or uh anatomy. Those are the three those or are facts. the three we've been struggling. I admit, I'm or not facts. good at facts. Facts are very okay. hard for me, so facts I don't understand very facts very well. Now here's the other problem. You got your a little message from your friend that says, Man, you gotta taste this delicious rainbow sherbet I just had. It's so good, so yummy. And you're like, All right, all right. You click the button and you open it up and you lick it and what's that it's cat shit your friend put the cat shit on your phone as a sick prank and made you taste cat shit snapchat has a bunch of pranks too dude sometimes someone goes check out this sick snap and then you just get a dick pic so there so you're not having a built-in way to keep the pranks from not happening i see okay i mean no you can but that's like some technology thing too right like i'm not against that but to say like oh this app is subject to more pranks than all the other apps that is what i am contending against i'm just saying maybe it's a bad idea because of these pranks i don't know about this app is facebook a bad idea Facebook, the only, these are the things you should use Facebook for. Alright, fuck uh, Facebook. I actually don't care. Is any app a good idea then? Because yes, every fucking I have app, an app can be fucking used for pranks. Not my app. My app could not be used for pranks. I have a genius app. It's called Gator Finder. And you turn it on and it tells you where the alligators are. <laughs> it tells you if there are alligators near you on a map, tells you where all the alligators are. And there's like a little button you can press at any moment that says uh, you are currently like 257 miles from the nearest alligator. That way, if you're afraid of alligators, you don't ever have to deal with them because your app tells you where they are. And if you love alligators, it can help you find the alligators. Okay, then how does that app figure out where the alligators are. Uh, technological alligator echolocation. Okay, fine. Use the fucking buzzword. No, defend yourself because that's where the prank may be. Someone might be uploading a fucking ice cream onto that app and call it alligator ice cream and then the app will think, oh shit, there's an alligator in this ice cream shop. What happens then? Here's how it would work. It would use the cell phone tower waves and it would bounce the cell phone tower waves off the alligator's bones and it would activate only with the specific density of alligator bones. Still could have pranks. How? How? Someone could gather a bunch of alligator bones and then put them in their ice cream shop or even put the alligator bones into their ice cream as decoration and then you would be like, where's my alligator? And you would end up at the exact same ice cream shop again. Yeah, but if you're so afraid of alligators that you've downloaded this app, you probably don't even want to see their skeletons. Or conversely, if you love alligators, you would probably be super hyped to see their skeleton. Okay, what if this ice cream shop is so fucking good, but now all the alligators scaredy cats are never going to this ice cream shop? Now they've missed out on the greatest ice cream in the entire world, and their life is completely ruined because of some prank on your app. No, but that's that's bad marketing. They should know not to put alligator bones in their ice cream shop. That's fine, but that doesn't stop the fact that your app can be used for pranks. You said your app had no way for pranks, okay, okay, but it can. Okay, how about this? When you... When you <laughs> When you download the app, it says, are you going to use this for pranks? And if you say yes, your phone explodes. Your phone explodes like a grenade. Okay, same with my app then. Same with my app. 
okay. How about that? Okay. How about okay. that? Same okay. with my apps. Okay. Let's have that as the rule for all our apps. Every app that we bring is going to have, will you use this app for pranks? And if you say, if you say yes, then the phone explodes like a grenade embedding shrapnel in your hands and face. My, my question to your app is, do you think humanity is smart enough to care about the differences between a crocodile and an alligator. Oh, that's a good point. I haven't thought of that because I'll be honest with you. These are the things I know. Alligators and crocodiles are two different things. They live in different spaces. One's face is thinner. One's like alligator mouth is thinner. And one's the structure of their teeth, like up and down, up and down, the way it looks when their bite closes, when their mouth closes, looks different. I can't remember how. Number one, I can't remember which is which. Number two, if I saw one of these creatures, I would not take the time to be like, huh, is this an alligator or a crocodile? I'd be like, oh, piss water. It's a fucking crocodile. It's time for me to be done. I'm done with this shit. I'm out. And I would run. I would run away. I would run away. It would not be okay to see these alligators that day. I feel like your audience who ends up downloading this app do want to know the difference between a crocodile and an alligator, right? Unless you call your app the Croc App Finder. The Croc Aga App Finder. Um, the Alley Croc Finder. I would say Crocagator probably rolls better off the tongue. Crocagator? I mean, you're the marketer here, dude. I don't market That's the true. shit. That's yeah. true. That's true. I do marketing for both the bookstore. Yeah, but I do bad job for marketing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I would do a great job marketing this app. Uh, it would be called... What would you be called Scale Finder? Scale Finder is a good one, yeah. And then suddenly you have an issue with people downloading it and then being like, why is there a snake in my backyard? No, that's true. And then you'll have to be like, snakes do not have scales, bitch. Snakes do have scales. Uh, so it would have to be, uh, what are alligators called? What, the alligators and crocodiles, I think, are the same like species. Fish. Not, not, no, they're not fish. They're reptiles. reptiles. And they probably come from the same genus, but I don't know what it is. Did you know that there is a specific kind of alligator called the Chinese alligator, otherwise known as the uh, Yangtze alligator or the um, muddy dragon? They're critically endangered. I mean, that doesn't stop Chinese people from eating humans. <laughs> you... Okay. Uh, I mean, <laughs> and they're only in two places, apparently. Uh, Zhejiang and... Jiangsu, am I saying those right? Why do you even try? Dude, I don't know. I'm just trying to be I'm just trying to be multicultural, bro. I'm just trying to be multicultural. Sorry, sorry. I think the words you were trying to say is Tokyo and Osaka. That's right. The times I was trying to say were I uh, love Japan, the ultimate Asian country. I was trying to say General So's chicken and Peking duck. No, what are these cities? What are these cities? Jiangsu. I, just, I said, that's what I said, Jiangsu. I mean, I, I admit, I'm not, like, as good at fucking provinces in China as, like, good at states in America. I mean, if I mention any state in America, you probably know of it, right? Yeah, probably. Well, you know why? Because you did some map shit when you were young. In my elementary school, you know what type of map shit we did? What? We did it for America. We never did it for China. <laughs> That's how fucking crazy the domination yeah, of American yeah. culture is. But I do know the province of Anhui. I know Jiangsu and I know Zhejiang, but I don't know them very well. Are they, Have you ever been to these places? I've been to Anhui. And have you seen any of these alligators? No, not like running around. In fact, I mean, did you just say they were like highly extinct? They're endangered, but I don't know. I mean, maybe you went to a zoo. Maybe I did see them in a zoo, but Chinese zoos, you're like literally watching depression animals. Oh, yeah, okay. It's still fun. Watching depressed animals is like... Like a different type of joy that I enjoy because I like watching depressed things. But I'm pretty sure most people would freak the fuck out. Actually, Donut went with me to a Chinese zoo. Every single like window we were at, Donut. it was like, oh my god, these animals are so sad. But it's so cute. And then we would move on. And it would be the exact same conversations about how each animal we kept seeing was so fucking sad. <laughs> Do you have no more apps? No, I have more apps I can come up with. I just wanted to talk about alligators. They're so weird. They're so scary. Well, they're also so alien because they're so giant. Like, I don't know. They're just like, they're like dragons, you know? They're like so different oh, from- Oh, like how I feel about bears. Yes, 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 yes. Bears are like semi-mythical. They're just these like giant things with like claws and teeth. I think in my head, a lot of reptiles feel really similar. So I do see like lizards, iguanas, and I see alligators just an extension of them. That's weird to me. Why is why is that? I mean, because like there's a big difference between like a bearded dragon, which like can fit 
on your arm and like an alligator that's like as long as a car. No, that makes sense. But like sort of the body structure and like how they walk, some of that feels a little similar to me. Their tails are kind of similar, but like a bear, I don't even know what the fuck you can compare a bear to. They feel so different from every single sort of familial species because they're not dogs, they're not cats, they're a mammal, but you're like, what the fuck is it? I guess I guess for me, it's less about the shape of the animal and more about the emotions it elicits within me. Well, yeah, because you're from the fucking South. That's so different too. Wait, what does that have to do with being from the South? That's like the stereotype of the South. A gator band. And wait, no, what's that guy oh, called? Yeah, Crocodile yeah. man? The crocodile hunter? Yeah, crocodile hunter. It's just sort of a big part of this stereotype that gets labored onto, like, Southern America. Like, tornadoes in the Midwest. But, like, aren't you also afraid of tornadoes? Maybe. I don't know. I've never even seen one. They're so foreign to me. You know, I I actually (laughs) drove through a tornado once, no joke. And you had that, who's that superhero that saved you? Oh, Pecos Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Pecos Bill could have saved the day. But Pecos Bill is from Texas. That's the problem. And I was in Asheville, North Carolina, and we were just driving back from, like, a a road trip, and all the trees start, like, slamming and breaking and stuff like that, and, like, the the car starts, like, shaking a little bit. We just, like, pulled over, and this, like, tornado goes over our head. Like, it hadn't touched down, because tornadoes bounce, and where they touch down is where all the super destruction happens. So we were lucky, because it would, like, kind of drifted over our car. Um, But it was fucking terrifying, dude. And I, I was I was so scared of tornadoes after that, that every time, for about a year and a half, every time it, the wind blew, I would run and hide in a closet. And, like, stay there for, like, an hour and a half. <laughs> okay, dude, that's just, like, you being scared of a lot of things, and I'm not as scared as a lot of things. I'm gonna join the alligators. That's how I'm gonna escape my alligator fear, is I'll become an alligator. Do you even get alligators roaming around where you live? No, there are no alligators. Alligators are, like, deep south. And then I just don't understand why I would, like, I don't know, they're just so foreign. You're asking me why I'm not scared of alligators is, like, oh, shit, I'm super scared of falling off Mount Everest. Okay, sure. That is a little scary, but what the fuck? That's never going to happen. Let me rephrase then. I'm not saying I'm afraid of alligators like I'm in bed and I'm like, oh no, what if there was an alligator? What I'm saying is they are scary animals. Okay, yeah, that's fine. That's all? That's all you're going to give me? Okay, I agree. I don't know. I gave you a bunch of shit before. I don't know what else you want from me now. No, alligators are scary animals. I mean, to be quite honest, I'm scared of dogs. (laughs) Are you really scared of dogs? Depending on what fucking dog it is, I can be scared of it. Especially those fucking dogs that we, like, drive past with the big Confederate flag behind them. Those fucking dogs are kind of scary, man. Yeah, the redneck dogs, the scary dogs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And those dogs I actually have to deal with. No, that's true. I mean, I, I, I don't love big dogs. I don't, I don't, I don't hate them or anything, but like, I'm wary of big animals. I, <laughs> there's this like little old lady who lives in my neighborhood and I walk past her house every time I want to take a little nice walk. I've, I almost never see her. She like stays inside all the time, but she has these three little dogs that are like the size of like a loaf of bread and they're fucking so obnoxious. They're these little dogs because they bark at you. They bark at you whenever you walk past them. So there's one time I, I got kind of high and I decided to go on a walk and I see these little dogs and they're barking at me and I'm like I bet they just want to say hello and so I just like stuck my finger into the thing to say hello and they get the shit out of my finger uh and like like I was like bleeding and stuff and I was like fuck this sucks fuck you so now whenever I see these dogs I look at them like fuck you you little pieces of shit fucking these dogs suck there's not a lot of animals that i'm not scared of depending on the fucking situation so what about cats cats can be scary how so i've never been scared of a cat okay but sometimes when i see stray cats and they're like not nice i can feel a little scared okay okay what what if like 20 cats were running up to me and one of them had like one of its eyes falling out of its face i'd freak the fuck out man nah see cats to me are like so throwable like why would i worry even the biggest cat you can just yeet it Okay, but what if, like, what if 20 cats were, like, just flying, running at you? Then I guess I have to throw 20 cats. I don't think it'd be that hard. I think I could do it. That's crazy. That's actually fucking insane. How is that crazy? Because you're, like, saying, like, oh, fuck, one zombie is super unscary. Therefore, 20 zombies are super unscary. No, one zombie would be scary. They're just a little easier to deal with. Like, also, if, like, 20 shih tzus ran up to fight me, I'd be like, oh, I'm not worried because I can just throw this dog it's about for me it's the size you only have two hands that's actually so dumb okay what about a thousand fucking cats then a thousand cats would be too much so it's just you think 20 cats is not too much that's like 
No, I think once you get closer to like 30 or 40, then we've got a problem. But I think I could handle up to like 25 cats without too much worry. Okay, I could handle about three. Okay. Here's my app. It's called Can Walter Fight It? And it's an app. It's downloaded your like mental energy. It's turned your like electrical synapses and stuff into ones and zeros and downloaded it on a phone so it's a one-for-one creation of you. It's like an exact replica. And then you can, like, upload creatures onto it and see if you can fight them. And so it would be kind of like, oh, I wonder if Walter could beat two cats. And so then you press a button and two cats show up. Then you make Walter fight the cats. Okay, I mean, I don't think that would be a bust, even if no one knew who I was, because I think there's, like, potential into Walter being, like, Flappy Bird. Flappy Walt. It would just be a digital version of you. Yeah, but people wouldn't, like, think of it as me. They would just think of it as, like, this avatar on the internet. So what if I trap you on the phone through magic, like I'm an evil wizard? (laughs) And so it is you on the phone. And you're like, no! I mean, okay, that's fine, and it would be miserable for me. I'm just saying the potential of the app is not fucking bad, because even if I was trapped on the phone and screaming, like, let me go, no one would think of that as me. I see, I see, I see. Like, Black Mirror plays around with that that a little bit. The TV show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I've seen, like, there's, the, there's that, like, episode that's, like, the hall of, like brain downloads or whatever it's like it's like an episode that has a lot to do with race if i remember correctly and they like download the guy's brain into like a a digital thing and like you can just like go and see him get like electrocuted on the electric chair for like all of eternity and that is him right yeah that is him but the museum wouldn't treat it as him he was kind of just an avatar except for the girl whose dad it was she treated it like a real person yes so you can sit there laughing at yourself being like oh i'm such an evil wizard but if you're using this as a fucking app to sell like no one's gonna care but that episode pushes pushes that the reason no one cares is because it's a black guy not because it's not a person the whole theme of that episode is the reason why they're able to able to dehumanize this guy is because he's black no that is fair i think that episode definitely challenges that but there's like a few more episodes with that of the same sort of uh play and those people are usually just people. So, for example, that dating app thing they you did. You know the only episode of Black Mirror I've seen is that episode that we were just talking about where the guy gets downloaded? That's the only episode I've seen. Can I say something? When Black Mirror first came out, season one came out, it wasn't on Netflix yet. And not everyone thought it was really cool. The first episode ends with this politician fucking a pig. And I showed yes, it to which I thought was cool. my ex. And mm-hmm. they watched that episode and were like, this is the most stupid thing I've ever watched. And I was so brokenhearted. And I like secretly watched the first season of Black Mirror myself. Two years later, suddenly Black Mirror is like the most popular fucking show. And they're like watching it and being like so excited about it. And in my heart, I was just like, God damn it. They thought I was being pretentious. So they did not want to watch something I recommended to them. What a fucking dick ass move no that is like a major dick ass move like if you bring something to someone and you're like this is lame and then you realize it's good you do have to like suck some eggs a little bit and be like yeah you were right this was good like i'm, I'm probably gonna do that with this sh- this this short i watched maybe in michigan what is it called probably in michigan possibly in michigan possibly in michigan because i did like it i did i did like it giving me a hard time about not wanting to bring possibly in Michigan on the podcast and you were like oh my god everyone talks about this it's such a thing and I was like oh it's only 12 minutes I'm not sure if I have a lot to talk about oh my goodness it's not specifically possibly in Michigan it's still specifically just I don't think yeah. the duration of something dictates how much you have to talk about something I will say I did struggle to find not things to talk about, but a way to talk about. And I, I can tell you what it is. I can tell you why. So, like, when I think about a movie, I think about it like a book, usually. I Like, the, the, like narrative is an important element of, like, understanding a movie, right? To me. Even if the narrative is, like, not necessarily linear or, like, traditional, right? Like, the length helps me figure out what's going on. And so for something short like this, there's less to talk about in that element and you more have to talk about the visuals. Um, and I don't have the lexicon to describe visuals in the same way as I can story elements, right? I'll be honest with you, I was watching this and I was like, this would be a way better. I would much rather read this to be a short story. And it, it, you know, it's interesting. I actually just picked up two new books, Eric LaRocca's You Sure Have Lost a Lot of Blood, which is 100% a recommendation. Super good, super weird. 
And then uh, There Are No Dead, There Are No Dying, which is a collection of short stories, also horror, uh, with Kath Koja in it, which is like really, really good too. I was I was reading both of these, and I was like, oh, this is really fantastic. And then I, I watched this movie, and I was like, oh, man, okay, there's some overlap. There's some overlap. You said that this would be easier to like read as a short. That's really surprising to me, because obviously we said this film has some strong visuals. One of the strongest visuals, in my opinion, is when one of the main characters is lying in a sort of rose petal bed, and it kind of crossfades into an image of a corpse. Corpses. Yeah, How yeah, yeah. would we- you do that in a short story? I would have to sit down and write it out. I don't. I don't think I could just like sit there and tell you now. But there's lots of experimental fiction that does weird stuff like that. Kath Koja, for example, is someone who who does things like this. You can use metaphor and simile to generate like those those images. The less you acknowledge that they are either metaphor or simile, the closer it gets to what you're doing on film, right? Like there's a way to do this by almost like turning your work into something that's closer to pose prose poetry or something, you know, ex- or like stylistic work, something that's a little more experimental in the way it's being written. That for one thing makes it I think a little harder for a lot of people to enjoy like i think it is definitely more and more experimental style of writing the the farther you push it but something that i really enjoy and i i will tell you i i really liked that scene in this this movie it made me uncomfortable i didn't like it i didn't like the corpses but like as like that i enjoyed not liking it right like I, i find pictures of the dead particularly unpleasant and so, like, this, like, beautiful young woman, the images, like, desaturate. And, like, there's a skeleton. There's, like, a corpse underneath it, right? Yeah, I think that's actually, the I think, the most the most interesting scene. Or or at least the, the, the grossest and scariest. And I think it's because there's, like, so... The, these, the girls that are presented are so, like, young and youthful. And then they're just, like, juxtaposed with these, like, real-ass corpses without any warning. And, like, up until then, it had been, like, spooky but not super spooky. And then you get to these, like, I don't know, these, like, really really rough corpses this felt very literary to me and a lot of her i watched more of this woman's videos cecile condit you can check her out on youtube uh she makes pretty cool stuff but so i watched i watched a few of her stuff um and it is interesting to watch her go from 1983 to 2021 and see her style change you want to know what this reminded me of? Almost like freestyle jazz or like poetry visually. When it, it reminded me a little bit of Daisy's actually watching it. If you watch her stuff and you can also see interviews, she, she, a lot of her stuff is like feminist in its creation, right? Like she's definitely writing these like feminist shorts that like ride the line between like horror and something closer to like collage, almost like visual collage. Possibly in Michigan. I'm not sure I would call it horror necessarily outside of the feelings it elicits. It doesn't make you uncomfortable or scared in the same way a traditional horror movie does. Does that make sense? How, how did this make you feel? Did you? Does it make you uncomfortable, this? Because it definitely made me uncomfortable in a good way. I mean, I am immediately curious about whether or not you find this movie horror. When I brought this movie to you, when you asked me for suggestions, that was something that was going on in my mind. Quite honestly, when I watched this movie, my first thought I was not that disturbed. I I thought it was a cool film, but I didn't buy into that sort of like hype about the horror elements and the musical elements. I just sort of found it fun. Weird. I will say I talking about whether or not it was scary. This this is not the scariest thing I've ever seen. By a long shot. I think the scariest bit is probably the section with the, the corpses, right? I think really the, the, the anxiety there is they're just like actual corpses, right? Not everyone wants to see dead bodies. And they look to be real bodies. I don't know if they actually are, but they look real. They feel real. But I will say this is unsettling. It's uncomfortable. It's strange. It's like... Weird and experimental stuff is good at taking an emotion and adding a layer of uncomfortability with that emotion, right? And it's a lot harder to make something that's, like, really happy and nice and also, like, kind of uncomfortable or strange. I think the closest thing I can think of is probably Teletubbies. Like, if you watch Teletubbies without any context or knowing what it is, it is, like, very weird and a little bit uncomfortable. But because of how soothing all the voices are and how cute all the characters are, kind of, like, the general positive attitude of the show, I I think it's, like, it's uncomfortable but not necessarily in a bad way. It's just like, what is going on? That is something I did feel a little bit because I I felt like some of the horror stuff in this movie was very funny. So the corpse scene that we were talking about is sort of the most straightforward, not as funny sort of 
fucked up or strange scene but the things that you notice are that sort of teletubby vibe i just never connected yes. to the teletubbies in my head it was just like this weird horror comedy that was a i actually awkward. don't i don't think this is a horror comedy no right now you're talking about the teletubbies and i think what you're talking about is more relatable so two scenes that i initially thought were like horror comedy scenes but are actually very tied to what you're talking about one is this weird stalker man that is following these two girls and he always wears a mask he does some incredibly weird awkward actions that are like funny maybe and then the cannibal scene where the two girls are like eating something but it's also a very jolly scene because they're like feeding whatever they're cooking to their dog I actually feel like exactly what you're talking about that teletubbies which i didn't have the lingo to link when i first watched the film i would call that by the way i would call it the uncanny and the uncomfortable there's probably a better word that encompasses both uncanny and uncomfortable i don't know what that is what, whatever like is born between those two things is is that emotion and I, I don't quite know what that emotion is i mean because i'm so outside of english i can give us a word for it what is it the uncan come okay the uncan come yeah what about that? I think I'm gonna. St- I think that's a bad. I think I'm gonna. <laughs> it sounds like Cancun or Cantaloupe. Uh, I think I'm just gonna stick with the uncanny. <laughs> just, just like for quick context, I can sum up this the plot of this thing in very simple terms. Two women prone to violence, like perfume, go to the mall. They're being stalked by a guy in a mask. They go home. The stalker guy follows them. He tries to kill and eat one of the girls. They shoot him, and then they, in turn, cut up his body, cook him, and eat him. Um, and it's only, like, 12 minutes. And they sing. Weirdly. And they sing. <laughs> he, yeah. So here's... If you want to talk about some of the uncanny, part of the reason I didn't want to watch this in the first place is because you kept calling it a musical. <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't think horror and musical goes together. Yeah, Rocky Horror Show fucking blows. I'm joking. I've actually never touched it. I, I've seen it. It's not a horror movie. That's It's fun. It's great, but it's not a horror movie. Barbara Street on Thingy Thing blows. Sweeney Todd, again, not a horror movie. So I was like, oh my god. I mean, maybe there are musical horror movies. I've never seen one and thought it was an effective horror movie. Uh, so fucking, if you're listening, shoot us an email. Say, no, this is a really great horror musical. It's actually scary and good. Yeah, like when Freddy Krueger sings one, two, three, little girl come to me. One, two, is that, does he do that in the movie? I don't remember that. Oh, maybe he doesn't. I hope he does. <laughs> if not, we need to make a horror movie about a guy who screams, sings one, two, three, little girl come to me, because that is a spooky sentence. <laughs> one, two, Two, three, little girl, come to me. There we go. We got our we got our first horror bit. We got our first our, our take that clip and make a make a horror trailer out of it, listeners. But the singing in here is not like a musical because the singing is bad. It sounds like two people who have like rented a microphone just singing directly into it. I think it's purposeful in this. It doesn't sound like musical singing with like great like you know when you when you think of musicals, it's like really high, well done, really professional. And this is instead just like this weird kind of like sing song speech and almost like elevator style music, like this like half produced like music. And it makes for this like really weird situation where you're like, this isn't a music. There's just weird music and people half singing set to some images that are unpleasant. And so I, I wouldn't call this a musical or a comedy. I think there are funny elements. I think it makes you laugh, but I don't think it's comedy. I don't, I don't think it has the same rhythm as comedy as much as I it mean, like... I mean, for me, I think this is like one of my greatest joys is the wideness of bizarreness. I don't know. It's just so weird how when you say the words bizarre, everyone thinks they know what you're saying because it feels like there's a very specific meaning. But the tone of bizarre is everywhere. But I think I think bizarre that like truly things that are truly bizarre are things that lack context and present an uncanny. It has lack of context that therefore creates the context. Like the guy who's following these two girls is constantly wearing masks, creepy masks. And there's no reason why he should be doing that, right? It's just kind of out of nowhere. There's no context given as to why he's wearing masks, except for one line where they're like, oh, this guy's been, like, they're singing and they're like, the guy who's been stalking me has forgotten who he is. He's worn so many masks. But there's no context given to, like, why he's actually wearing a mask, whether the masks are real, whether they're a visual metaphor. The lack of, like, explicit context is created by, like, the the tone of the thing, right? You know, like, because this is, like, maybe, you know, there's, like, themes of violence against women, right? Faceless men. Like, part of the reason he wears wears a mask, I I think, tonally, is that, like, because he's supposed to be every man, things like that. Like, there's no explicit context given for why he's wearing a mask, but that lack of explicit context 
context creates tonal and thematic context when linked with the rest of the stuff. I, I think that's what makes this an engaging piece of work is like, it's, it's not just like lol, so random weirdness. There is like a central focus. There's a central connection. You can tell there's artistic integrity. This movie, you can tell the artist had a theme, had an idea, had like central visions, but it's harder to articulate. And it, it took me about three times before I was really comfortable with talking about it. Can I ask a question? The way this film deals with suburbs and not just like suburbs, right? This is very specifically that shopping mall. So we went to school called Goucher College. There was a shopping mall right across that school that a lot of the students would go to to just do nothing because there was nothing else to do. Despite how short that scene was and how they still went, ended up going back home, that link of going to that shopping mall and then them going to back to this like little house where there's a small lawn, that link felt very, very alien to me, but also resonated with me a lot because I feel that so badly whenever I was like going to that shopping mall and then going to someone else's house in Goucher. This, this is definitely in conversation with a lot of things. Like, it feels like it could be anywhere. There's no context given to where the place is. They talk about how it could possibly be. There's, like, connections possibly to Michigan. But then it does the, like, you know, the other thing that, like, people like to juxtapose with America and suburbs, which is, like, violence. For someone who doesn't come from America, it feels so specific, despite the movie working so hard to make it unspecific. It even starts off with an urban legend that is like the anywhere urban legend. I right? thought it was just a joke in that film. No, this is like a classic urban legend. Where the, the two, two of the girls are talking about an aunt that did this, right? Someone put their blank in the oven in the microwave to dry it off. It's usually a small animal like a cat or a poodle thinking it would dry off and instead it dies, it explodes. So you've already you've already created a space where like, yeah, this could be any American town with any American family, right? And yet that story is so specific that if I was not part of it i would never heard of it uh some of its content some of its time period though also because you know this is from the 80s that's when th th this are you know microwaves are new and newer and stuff not newer but you know microwaves that's a dumb thing to say microwaves have been around since like the 60s you know why it's not entirely a dumb statement because right now our microwaves have gone through a phase of producing cancer and have stopped producing cancer <laughs> we're in an age of post-cancer microwaves <laughs> I, I i just want to quickly circle back to the idea of suburbs and feminism because so she I watched some of her other stuff. As she's gotten older, uh, she tends to focus more on nature and, like, really pulls hard outside the narrative, right? There's, like, almost no narrative, and instead it's just, like, like really well-orchestrated shots of, like, older women doing weird stuff with dirt and plants. And it's still uncomfortable, but it's less horror uncomfortable and more, like, physically and, uh, like, viscerally uncomfortable. Like, there's one that Cecilia Condit like doing weird stuff in the dirt and stuff like that. But she, she has another one that I, I liked called, uh, the suburbs of Eden that literally, I mean, this is l way less experimental way. I mean, it's still experimental in the way the shots are produced and the dialogue. And there's also weird singing again. It's definitely within her, her wheelhouse, her, her sort of like things that she likes, but it's more, more explicit in its like focus, which is that like women trapped in suburbia, unable to do what they want to do, chained by their children and their husband, and also knowing that their daughters will be chained in the same way. I will say that next time when we bring a short film, if you're like really scared about it, I would recommend bringing it sort of like, I'm going to talk about this director and, and her, a bunch of their shorts instead of uh, bringing one short. But I did not want to do that this time because I could not stand the statement you made. And I was too stubborn to allow you to bring all of the collection. <laughs> <laughs> reason swayed you really like trading like pokemon cards or something i don't know what the yeah, fuck is wrong with I like you trading. you like trading so i didn't even tell you to watch possibly of michigan but because you wanted to watch it and make me watch something else i don't know you need all this control and all your fingers and every single little thing we do i have no freedom i'm trapped this podcast has trapped me i have no more freedom 
I tell you to watch movies all the time, and you're like, no, I'm only watching Art House. I just know if I'm going to bring something experimental and, like, Art House, that we need to balance it out with something less Art House. That's all. So, even though I kept saying, no, 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 I'm not going to bring it. I'm chained. I'm chained. It's too late for me. Someone free me. No one's freeing law. No one's allowed to free him. He stays in my basement. King Kong. God damn it. I, I also watched this movie last night, um, by the way. Congratulations. I don't, I don't always watch the movies Walter's watch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fucking eat my ass, you fucking asshole. You said this over the phone, too. We were texting last night, and I was like, I was talking about how racist this movie is, and you're like, yeah, and it's misogynistic, too, you idiot. Wow, you're so smart. And I was like, fuck off. Fucking dick. So mean to me. Uh, if you haven't touched any of the King Kong movies, it's basically about a film crew, and this film isn't even, this, isn't, this film doesn't even really have a film crew compared to some of the other King Kong movies that came afterwards. No, it's just got a legit ass dude. Yeah, it's one director and that's it. <laughs> and it's about this film crew who goes to a deserted island. This deserted island is like, has a lot of giant creatures and prehistoric creatures. Yeah, a lot of giant creatures, a lot of dinosaurs. Yeah, and King Kong is like in the middle of it. In some ways, it's not even like King Kong is like the most interesting creature on these islands. But the reason yes, why exactly. this film is incredibly racist is because this film uses a uh what they will call a tribe and the tribe is definitely poc and probably black except that not all of them are black some of them are just dudes in blackface all the comments on it about that stuff is incredibly racist they also have a racist uh chinese character so no they're called they're called savages they're like they don't speak like clearly uh, they're surprised by gunpowder. Like, every, like, racist thing that, uh, Rush Limbaugh has ever said about the Native Americans applies to these people. Only they're not Native Americans, they're black. I mean, they even call them, the Chinese character even calls them evil black people. Should I quickly talk about the misogyny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously these films are, like, misogynistic, but I think one of the big ones for sure is not just, like, damsel in distress and all that stuff. It's also the way the only girl in this film, kind of the only girl in this film, is kind Literally of- the only girl. Except for, I guess, some of the people on the island. Yeah, there are actually a bunch of girls, but she's the blonde white girl. Who the main chieftain- tries to buy from yes, the that's guys. that's actually what I wanted to talk about. She's basically a product in this film. The director talks about her as a product, and she's meant to be transactioned and to be bought. I mean, literally, they try to sacrifice her. The, 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 the islanders try to sacrifice her to King Kong. What do you think is King Kong's relationship with this girl, though? Uh, when I first watched this as a youth, I remember thinking it was boring. Didn't like it. I was like, why isn't this Godzilla? I'm bored. And I watched it again in high school. And one of the things that I think I really noticed and that we talked about is there is a stereotype in America that is the brute, right? The savage black man who's going to come and steal your white woman who's presented bestially, ape-like. And so I think King Kong's relationship, King Kong is just an extrapolation, a, a further, a furtherment, a, a progression of these islanders, right? King Kong is not supposed to be a monster he's supposed to be a black person who's like stealing the woman i mean and there's tons of racial slurs that identify uh african-american people black people with animals with apes you know there's like lots of like racist rhetoric around phenotypes and skulls and skull shape that compare african-americans to apes right this is like the beginning of white flight too, right? The 30s is when you have like African-Americans coming into cities and people escaping from the suburbs. This is like totally playing on some like very racist fears. So that actually makes a lot of sense because I was thinking to myself, everyone knows this. The dinosaurs are way fucking cooler than King Kong. They are. They are much cooler. So why are these film people, I want to bring King Kong back instead of being like, I want to bring a fucking Tyrannosaurus back as the eighth wonder of the world. That's like way more interesting if you wanted to present a show. I will say people <laughs> knew about dinosaurs. They didn't know about a giant gorilla. There's a Stegosaurus, a Tyrannosaurus Rex, Pterodactyl. Holy fuck, I know my dinosaur names. You do. Uh, a Loch Ness Monster. Like a ple- a plethi- a ple- ple- Peleosaur. Ple- Pleothosaur. And then there's a, there's a long snake one. That one is a fucking magical creature. That one's way cooler than King Kong too. I don't know if they discovered the Titan Boa by the 30s, but like... Like, all of these dinosaurs were things people knew about. It would be more like if you found, like, let's say, like, you found a dinosaur. What would be more interesting? Bringing a dinosaur or bringing a dragon? 
Because no one thinks dragons are real. All right, all right. That actually makes a little sense to me. I think I think that's like in fiction why we why they bring King Kong. But again, I mean, it's also like slave shit, right? It's like fucked up because it's like they literally bring King Kong and like chain him up, like like people did like when they were doing slave auctions. It's weird that King Kong is like sedimented itself in like media as like a thing when like its its history and its baggage is like so caustic. Right, it's it's weird. Like like Godzilla is another giant monster, and its baggage is not nearly as caustic. Right, there's like like nothing. It's not as fucked up. Well, but but for if some reason, Japanese imperialism won after the nuclear bombs, and then they went to America and killed everyone in America, that would have been a very caustic film. That's true, but they didn't. <laughs> Can't keep America down. That's right. These codes don't run. These codes don't run. And I, I think another thing about King Kong is later on he gets. In, in later films, he does get humanized, and he becomes more of a victim, right? And even at the end, when, when King Kong has died, spoilers, King Kong dies at the end of the movie, he falls off of um, the giant tower, no, and the director's- No, no, that is not what happens. King Kong does not die. King Kong falls down the great pit of New York City. When he hits the floor, his fur flies into the air, and everyone catches a disease that makes them into monkeys. Right. This is actually the, the this is the this is the prequel to Planet of the Apes. No, fuck. No, this is like a Journey to the West. You know. Sh- yeah, yeah. Set with Son Goku and his, Goku and his and feathers. His, that's where Son Goku got his little monkey powers. Can you? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna be a Walter. I'm gonna take your bit. I have my bit in your hands right here, and I'm just gonna snap a snack. I'm I'm killing your bit. I'm, the bit has been killed. Because I want to, I want to talk about the last, the the, la- the last few lines where King Kong is dead, and the director of the movie, who's like brought Kong in, is like the the people are like, yeah, it looks like King Kong died from falling off the building, and 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 the director shakes his head and goes, wasn't the fall, twas love and beauty killed the savage beast or something like that, right? So even at the end, they're like trying to humanize Kong by being like, you know, he he died because he tried to be with this white woman. So, like, there's, a, like, weird, there's, like, a weird, and, like, as you get later into the films, like, the, the later portrayals of King Kong, he is, like, supposed to be the hero, and you do, he becomes less of an analog for, like, a dangerous black man, and more of, like, an animal trapped in a non-natural setting. And also, uh, usually the woman who he ends up capturing end up kind of falling in love with him, or having sympathy, I don't know, it becomes more of a furry thing. This is what actually, sorry, I'm sorry, but this is actually why why scalies have it rough compared to furries we're not talking about furries in the episode i already made a rule i made a rule no sex that was not the rule what was the rule okay tell me about scalies you fucking degenerate like when you watch king kong you immediately realize the dinosaurs and the reptiles they never get it they never get the sympathy they deserve king kong is a representation of furriness and his sympathy increases while the dinosaurs never get it they're always shit on what about all the kids who have empathy for Godzilla. Okay, yeah, that's why Japanese people are more fucked up. No, that's why Japanese people are more <laughs> scalies than Americans. <laughs> you know, you know, I cried when I watched the original Godzilla movie where Godzilla gets killed. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't watch it because you didn't even watch the original Godzilla movie first. You watched the ones where Godzilla was a good guy. Yeah, the first. I think the first one I watched was Godzilla versus Megalon. I don't remember who the main villains are, but it's the one that's got J- Jaguar in it, the the giant robot. I think it's also easier to empathize with a mammal than it is with a lizard, right? If we want to talk about furries and scalies, like even when you have like a sexy w- snake woman, she's like also like supposed to be bad, so it's like not quite the same. I mean, Medusa is pretty hot, so yeah, but she's also supposed to be scary. She's not supposed to be hot. Well, that's just like you being a pervert because she turns you to stone if you look at her she's supposed to be so ugly she turns you to stone this is why i know you would get mad but like it has to be said because the newest film by peter jackson 2005 the first time i ever thought about getting i I don't have a vor fetish per se but like something about like slime girls really gets me and it's about this like getting wrapped around in something and the worm scene when the i wanted this to be a pg-13 okay when when that film cast fell into that pit of worms as a young kid watching that scene it did something in my brain like something happened in my brain i'm dying what 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 we started this podcast with you sharing your dark secrets about all of your fucking childhood not sexy stuff but maybe yeah but you're the person who every episode is like yeah i want to come on an action figure hey i did not say that 
that it's true. you're it's bringing true. that energy into the podcast i'm right now just sharing a sort of childhood trauma thing that's related this is to- not a childhood this was in 2005 this was very recently yes 2005 was very recently i think i was eight anything well it's, it's always interesting when we give each other movies right because it's not movies we would necessarily watch like no part of me would have watched this i would have watched king kong it's just bros in a priority but i would have found the time to finally uh, watch really it. you would have mm-hmm. even though when i told this to you you're like no i don't want to watch king kong no i said i know i don't want to bring it to the podcast i am glad you told me to watch possibly michigan I enjoyed it. I mean, the reason why I don't usually want to bring what you recommend to me on the podcast is because I've mentioned this before, but for me, this podcast is sort of a way for me to bring up movies that i not scared they will be forgotten, but like movies I consider need a little bit of an extra push just to be remembered. Or Yeah, because they're super boring. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is why this is why we know that Swade's a content ruiner. I am not actually the bit ruiner because you are the bit ruiner. Yeah, but if I was like, dude, every single movie you talk about is boring, then our listeners will think it's boring. Have you considered that, <laughs> idiot? Oh no! What I mean is, I bring movies that are important to me, and when you recommend me movies. You're like, this is not important to me. Yeah. I don't want to watch sometimes, this. <laughs> it's not, I don't want to watch it. It's more that, like, I just don't want to bring it to the podcast sometimes because it's not as important to me. No, King Kong's not that important to me. But at the same time, I think it's fun to talk about movies with you. And I think it's fun to talk about King Kong with you. If I watched King Kong and did bring it to podcast, I would still love to talk about this movie with you. That conversation is fun. It means something to me to yeah. actually feel like these movies that are no one else is going to talk about them or at least very little people are going to talk about them at least i can talk about them so their little mark on the world actually is not just meaningless i don't think anyone except me has ever talked about auntie lee's meat pie i guarantee it. yeah that's like a good example so like no people have talked about auntie lee's meat pie just so you know how do you know how do you know there's reviews on auntie lee's meat pie what are you talking about no they are that's a lie (laughs) i did all of the reviews myself but that's the point like in 30 years time when everyone is someone fucking finds it on vhs tape and they like want to watch it at least it exists like some commentary on it exists and i I think that's important and i think that's what makes film fans a cool podcast i think mostly the reason fake film fans is good is because i'm like super funny and that's fine yeah (laughs) that's fine we need a walter i mean that is fine but calling calling my films boring is not as super funny oh man i hurt his feelings (laughs) i'm sorry you know i love your movies I just, I, I love you so much. Give me a kiss, Walt. Oh. Nah, fuck that shit. I'm homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> he says, while he's holding a G.I. Joe and eyeing its, uh, eyeing its, eyeing its uh, six pack, I'm such a homophobe. Oh, G.I. Yes, Joe. Yes, because gay people can't be homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> I personally think that we have done a bad job of asking people to give us comments so right now is the time to make a statement okay make a statement well we are going to do a better job of getting people to talk with us on the podcast and we don't build the community and the family we're gonna try to do maybe some more visual content on twitter some of the stuff we talk about we'll probably try posting that stuff a little more on letterbox we are going to try to have a bit more discussions on letterbox in the next few weeks about some of the movies we talked about. And that way, if you do want to comment and you have a letterbox, that's a very good way to reach out to us. And you can hear our extra thoughts because we don't get to say every single thing that we think about when we talk to each other. And I would like to uh, hear other people's thoughts and tell us why we're wrong about our takes and stuff like that. So. See- I get that with bits. I'm listening to the podcast and I'm like, oh, there was a bit right there I could have put in. There was a really funny joke. So maybe I'll put that on the letterbox. I'll be like, in this episode, there was this moment where I could have said something really funny, but I didn't because I didn't think about it until after. I want to make business cards for the podcast that I can hand out to people, but I need a good image. So if you can take our puppets, the little three puppets that are our logo, and do something funny with it and send it to me, 
I will put it on the business card. And if you want to talk about slime girls and monster girls, let's you know, let's ask for this this week. Everyone who's listening, the email address is fakefilmfans at gmail.com. Send us your favorite monster girl. Just go ahead, open up your Gmail, say, my favorite monster girl is blank, and these are the reasons why I like them. And we will talk about it at the end of the podcast. What's your favorite monster girl? And me and Walter will each bring our favorite monster girl, too. And it's not allowed to be a slime girl, Walt, because you've talked about slime girls too much already. All right, that's fair. That's fair. There's only thing, one thing left to say, other than to uh, share this podcast with other people. Find us on Twitter at, at FakeFilmFans, and email us about your favorite monster girl at FakeFilmFans at gmail.com. If you're going to watch a movie, do it with the lights off. Thank you.